This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. You know, yesterday, before I start, yesterday we went to the movies, Bruce and I, and we saw Wonder Woman. <laughs> and I have to tell you, when Dorita says to the, all of those little children, oh, take your shoes off and come up, I think we got Wonder Woman right there. <laughs> I mean, really, Dorita, wow. So I'm not going to ask you to take your shoes off. But I am going to ask you to indulge me for a moment and put your feet flat on the ground. Your feet are resting on holy ground. Whatever you bring with you today, whatever worries, whatever joys, whatever fears, you will stand steady in this place because wherever you stand, it's blessed by God. It is holy. It is the place you are meant to be now. So let us acknowledge that present moment. Let's live in the now to be grace-filled and strong and present to the blessings of God's love. Friends, when I agreed um, to share a part of my witness story with you, I wondered if I was really worthy of that. I'm so new to this church I wondered if it would be appropriate for me to stand before you today. I know every one of you has a story to tell. I hope mine serves whatever God has in mind for us today. So in all humility, I offer one piece of my long, and every day it gets longer, my long life journey of faith with you. Let me start with a story right there about a journey. In early May, Bruce and I decided to take a short road trip through central Oregon since we had never explored that part of the state yet. So we made a lovely hotel in Lebanon, our jumping off point, and we just started wandering and we explored. We were kind of celebrating our newly found retirement freedom. But, you know, when we made our trip plans, we had difficulty in obtaining a map of Oregon. Not a Google map, which my son and my husband are very familiar with, but just a good old-fashioned paper map, you know? And, of course, we did kind of wait until the last moment to, um, to, to think about it, so we didn't go online and buy one. It was too late for that. So Bruce and I just shrugged that off and as part of the adventure. We jumped on Interstate 5 and started up towards Portland to see what we would see. Now, despite not having a map, we had a great time. We had to enjoy moment to moment rather than have a big plan, a schedule. We um, had to be attentive to the fact that we we were exactly where God had placed us in this trip. And I think that's what Moses might have described as being on holy ground. My own life's journey has had many twists and turns, but when I look back, I can see that the entire time, 
God had his hand in it. That I was always on holy ground. That I was always called to seek, seek God's heart. I just had to learn to do it without a map. I was raised in an Italian, Spanish, Catholic home in San Francisco. I went to a Catholic elementary school and a Catholic high school. I always had a deep faith and was devout in my practice. And being raised in the 60s in the birthplace of the summer of love, being a committed Christian was counterculture enough. To borrow words from the theologian and priest, Barbara Brown Taylor, I'm sure many of you are familiar with her writing, as hard as I have tried to remember the exact moment when I fell in love with God, I cannot do it. But at the end of high school, it was pretty clear that I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to study theology. The reason for taking up this major and attending the University of San Francisco has a lot to do with the timing of things. I wanted to be in a ministerial position in my church. Uh, did I mention I was Catholic? <laughs> so you, you've, got, you've got the problem. There was no opening for women in leadership in the church at that time. Uh, as a matter of fact, not at this time either. But that's another story, right? Another, another sermon. Being one of only a few women in undergraduate theology was no picnic either. So I decided to do the next best thing. I responded to a call to religious life. I became a Roman Catholic nun. The Presentation Sisters of San Francisco were holy, courageous, politically active, gospel women engaged in ministry and education, and I decided to be one of them. To be very honest, I have to admit that there were also personal reasons to enter the convent at 19. I could leave home without my parents worrying about me, as they had worried so much about my siblings. And I could sort out my vocation while I taught school and responded to God's call. It all seemed right. It was very right for 17 years of right. But then, to borrow from Moses' experience, the bush started to burn. A terrible sadness came over me. By that time, I had earned my degree from the University of Notre Dame, and I had been a high school principal for 10 years. I had been groomed to become the president of the sisters' community. But this sadness, what was it about? Well, through prayer, therapy, and a conversation with my mom, I realized that to be the leader of the sisters would limit my ministry to an aging group of nuns and take me away from the schools. At this juncture, in 1989, there were only three of us in the Sisters of the Presentation that were under 40. For those of you who may not be aware of this issue, let me digress for just a moment. At its peak in 1965, there were about 200,000 sisters in the United States, nuns. 
Today, there are fewer than 50,000. And those who remain are aging rapidly. Approximately 12% are younger than 70. And while 20% are older than 90. With few young women replacing them, the average of those who take vows is 40. Um, back in the day, it was 20. Elderly nuns and sisters across the country have been forced to care for one another and keep convents running in the face of massive budget deficits. So these factors have obviously limited their ministerial work and outreach. The portent of having to turn to internal ministry was the heart of my sadness. As my mom so indelicately put it, her name was Stella. As only Stella could say it, you don't like old people. <laughs> you need to keep working with kids. Well, that realization, along with a growing sense that God was opening my heart to new possibilities, made the sadness lift. And within the year, I left the Order of Sisters at 38 years of age, after 17 years, without a map, only a belief that I was standing firmly on holy ground and that God would make all things clear by love and grace and lead me to his heart. To borrow the words of Barbara Brown Taylor again, I left my feelings off the leash and followed them around. When something moved in my peripheral vision, I left the path to investigate, since it would be a shame to walk past a burning bush. I know that moments the world shuts us down, we feel we can only take so much. We don't want to put our hearts and our lives at risk sometimes, or any longer. But the odd thing is that this is when our hearts are most alive. In these times, I believe that God is watching and waiting. God wants to bring us back to the realization that we are standing right where we're supposed to be, on holy ground. And in these moments, our hearts feel most alive. In the years that immediately followed my leaving the convent, I met my wonderful husband, Bruce, and we celebrated the birth of our amazing son, Ben. I have many tales of my awareness of standing on holy ground throughout my life. Talk about twists and turns and no map. I may be the only Catholic, Presbyterian deacon, Montessorian, Methodist, you know. <laughs> Maybe. There have been many joys, much rewarding ministerial work, many burning bushes the immense joy and challenge of running a large urban high school, the at times disappointing experience of crushing church leadership, serious illness in my immediate family, the death of parents, and a dear friend. Some of these things felt like kicks in the gut. But I witness today, because I know I stand on holy ground, God's ground, God's path for me, no matter how many twists or turns it takes, no matter how many times I want to quit or I need a map. In closing, 
Let me share a comment from Shane Ambro, a writer and philosopher. He wrote a great reflection about another person without a map searching for a heart, the Tin Man of Oz. You remember that the wonderful Tin Man wanted a heart. Although he was a little stiff and rusty, he threw his lot in with seekers who were looking for a kind of holiness too. No map for them either, but they did have a yellow brick road of holy. The Tin Man had to believe that the journey and the walking and even the standing still was holy because it was a search for the heart and the heart that brings you home. For us Christians, the heart that brings us to God. And so he writes, it is that whispering of the heart which beckons us to travel upon the yellow bricked road in search of something. If we're lucky enough to find the yellow bricked road, at least we know that we're going somewhere. A destination with a destiny. We are not looking for something new to do. We are venturing forth into the wilderness in search of our true identity in a world of confusion. We are on a journey, a quest for our hearts. So today, I thank you for allowing me to share some of my story with you, for inviting me to walk with you and to stand next to you on holy ground here in this church in Ashland and to be in the presence of the heart of God. I am blessed and I am grateful. Can I take that with me? Thank you. Um, <clears throat> uh, Barrett just asked me if I wanted to say something about the music video. This was prepared by uh, students um, in my former high school that I just left a year ago. Um, and it's uh, reflective of a talk that I gave for them. Um, and it talks about following your heart.